Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you are in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Today's guest is Bradley Tossin. Bradley is an executive vice president of MAP, two-piece, M-A-P-P. MAP provides construction services for commercial projects, including retail, office, industrial, hospitality, healthcare, banking and tiers, to name a few. They also have far too many awards for me to list everything. So some of the highlights are top general contractor awards, top performing awards for projects, diamond level safety designations, and top places to work in multiple locations uh, throughout the country. Bradley is well-versed in the commercial construction industry, having served in many roles during his 17 years at MAP, including pre-construction, project management, quality control, safety, accounting, and business unit leadership, which we're going to talk a bunch about. As a native of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, Bradley received both his Bachelor of Science in Business Management and Master of Business Administration degrees from LSU. Go Tigers! He's also United States Green Building Council lead accredited professional. Bradley currently serves on MAPS Leadership Committee and is a member of the International Council of Shopping Centers, the Urban Land Institute, Dallas-Fort Worth Chapter, Texo, and the Board of Advisors of the Dallas Regional Chamber. Bradley and his wife Gabby have two children, and when he's not off being super family man, he's an avid reader, workaholic, and a history buff. Bradley, with all that said, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. I, I hope that gave some justice of, of how amazing you are. Uh, if not, then don't worry. I'm going to give you full full reign to kind of tell us where we missed. So uh, with that said, tell us the origin story. Tell us uh, how you became to be as awesome as you are and, and tell us about Matt. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm not sure how awesome everything really is, but a little little bit of how I got into construction at MAP. MAP is my my first full-time job actually coming out of college. Kind of just landed into it. I uh, had wanted to be a, a real estate developer at the time. It seemed like the, the hot thing to do. Uh, really wanted to put a Put an impact in my community that you could see from the road, you know, just driving by. And so I thought, you know, that opportunity to go work for a construction company popped up. You know, hey, if I could understand how it's built, maybe I'd be a great real estate developer. And, uh, you know, I, I turned turned out that uh, I really enjoyed the construction side of things. And so I've uh, been sticking with it ever since. Uh, like you said a little bit earlier, hitting all the facets of the the business from you know the accounting side to project management and pre-construction uh, really enjoyed all of it and had a wonderful opportunity to move to Houston and become a business unit leader and uh, and get started in in that role and leadership and getting more involved with the, the business and the industry rather than just the projects so uh, moved to, to Texas in 2013 I've been here ever since I'm in Dallas now and uh, enjoying what I do uh, at MAP. Awesome. So what makes MAP different? What's what? What's the thing? Why would somebody use MAP over a different uh, GC? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to what it is that that we're trying to do and, and what we want to do as organizations, change the industry and the people in it for the better. It's our it's our why, why we exist. And so we really, really believe that um, we talk about it all the time in all of our meetings. Um, we just had a semi-annual meeting with all of our our MAPIs based out of the Texas region and our Atlanta office. And it was really great to have everybody in there and just, you know, we, we started off with a safety moment and then right into, you know, Hey, this is why we're here. And so that, uh, that change in the, the industry and the people is about improvement um, and, and it's about service. And so the, the level of client service we strive to provide uh, is second to none. We want to be best and we want to be known as the best. Got it. All right. So, one of the things you mentioned during our, our pre-call was you're a client-first company. What does that actually mean to you? Because client, you know, everybody's a client-first company. What's that actually mean to you? And what's it mean to Matt? Yeah, I mean, one of our values is having fun, uh, and, and it's not you know just going out and having some beers with some some people that you happen to to be working on a project with. It's the having fun really revolves about developing a relationship, you know, and, and it's not just just the external clients that we're working with. Uh, that we're building for. It's the relationships with our internal clients, with our MAPIs here in the office, with our our trade partners, subcontractors out in the field. We want to we want to work together. Uh, we want to uh, get into the trenches and really work through the challenges that the that the project and the industry has, and and get to know each other uh, better, uh, get to know everyone's business, and and have uh, a successful project at the end of the day that uh, we can all be proud of. And so client service is really that relationship side of, of the coin. We want to do a great job out in the field, but that's what most other contractors are going to do. So we want to take it that next level and be a little bit different, uh, have fun and, and provide something that maybe they haven't had before. So how do you know you're being client first? So what we some of the things we do, like we have a client survey, we utilize um, a survey system, net promoter score. We send out, I think it's about 10 or 12 questions at the midpoint of a project and at the end of a project. So we see how we're doing in the middle so we can make some you know, halftime game day modifications or tweaks. And then at the end, really see how how did we truly perform? What what was important? Did we nail the high level uh, requests that you as a client were looking for. And uh, it gives us great feedback. It's good to hear the positives, uh, which is great. So we can reinforce what we do good. But more importantly, it's good to know where we may have had a misstep or, or where we failed so we can you know, hold the team accountable, train them on what maybe they uh, missed out on, You know, whether it was scheduling or some change orders or some cost side of things or safety. You know, Where can we improve? Uh, and that's what that's what we really are, want to judge ourselves by is by what our client is telling us, not by what we're telling ourselves. And so uh, we get those those survey results. We have a score for it and uh, we take it and try to learn from it. Real quick, um, you said net promoter score. Do you want to explain that to everyone? Like, what does that mean in comparison to other types of surveys? Why is that different? Yeah, and our our score is uh, a little bit different. We have a, uh, a zero to two score, and so it goes up by half point increments. And so 
when uh, an, an excellent is a number two and an absolutely terrible is zero. Uh, we have a goal to have a 1.5 or above for, for our score. And so we take those questions and we have a score for the individual lines that we can compare against other projects that have, you know, maybe it's the same project manager, see how they're doing on cost management or schedule management and take those averages of the scores to see see how they're performing over time and are they improving or, or not. And then uh, we also have it at uh, our business unit level. How's the business unit doing uh, overall? And then how the, how is the business unit doing just on these particular uh, items of the questions? And so it helps us uh, see where, um, where we're lacking and where we're really good at uh, particular facets of the project. How are you keeping actually track of those scores? I mean, that's a lot of places where you're getting scores and it's a lot of data. I mean, even... Yeah, it is a lot of data and, and it's uh, taken all of that, accumulating it, putting it into a database. The survey's done through a, uh, a Microsoft form, I think it's called, and we take the data in SharePoint and then uh, our, our technology gurus, they. They have it set up in a dashboard in our Power BI system. And so we see it at the high level and you can drill down to each individual data point and see the response because uh, we do have a, a written section for each of the questions where they can leave some notes and then see the scores and just make sure that those scores are in alignment with what the response was. So uh, it keeps the, the thing about the forms is it keeps everything consistent. And, you know, for us, it's it's all about having good data, good data in, you get good data out, you start getting bad data, uh, it's hard to really, you know, see what what you're trying to get out of it, the true result. You actually found a way to leverage technology in a different way by actually accumulating that data specifically on feedback, then doing something with it. Super cool. Mm -hmm. if someone's not listening here. This was the time to listen. Take note. This is this is how. Uh, how map and your mappies get better. I, I think that the you said Microsoft Forms, SharePoint, and uh, Power BI, and I think that that may be the certainly the quickest that that's been brought up on an episode ever before. But also just showcases how much you are leveraging technology, like how you are taking the technology and saying like we're gonna we're gonna be better, and we're gonna use technology to get there, which is super cool. And it's it's really powerful, uh, and, and that not just for that, but there are so many other things that you can do with data. And we have data all over the place. I mean, in construction, as you guys probably know, I mean there there's at least five to seven different types of software that you're utilizing to perform your job every day, and you know accumulating that into a spot where you can pull it all together and then pull that pull the the correlations out is is something that we've been working on the last couple of years and have been successful pulling it all in and now we're we're building dashboards we're building uh, all these new types of analytics and analytical type tools using power bi as our platform to to show it um, and to to visualize it and you know, when you hand somebody a set of plans, they really understand what they're looking at, right? And so being able to see uh, visually what the data is telling you is really enhancing the speed of which we're doing an analysis. And so it's great that it's it's almost instant because of the data that's put together. It's 
great that you talked about this. So you're talking about how data has kind of changed math, right? Do you want to go a little bit more into that? Uh, something that you call data wisdom. Could you explain what that means? Yes, data to wisdom. So, uh, you know, we always want to learn and improve. um, And so the best way to do that is to to look back at what you already have. And so we have all this data that has been accumulating the last 30 years at MAP. And, you know, what do you do with it? You know, can you pull out an old job file that's somewhere in some archive or, you know, now that it's all electronically based, it's all right there. And so we just transmit that into uh, the master database and then start digging through it. And so the change has come from, you know, finding out what's important. You know, what are these uh, the KPIs that we want to really look at and see where we are and then start putting where we should be? You know, what what is the right dollar per headcount of revenue? You know, what is the right quality score for for this? What is what is the right client satisfaction uh, score for for this. And so when you start trending that over time, we're really able to see, you know, our growth uh, from where we were to where we're going uh, and where we are today. And uh, we're really able to see and start forecasting and predicting where we might be going. And that's really where we want to take our data is to start predicting how a project will be successful, start predicting how our our clients will perceive our our way of doing business and start predicting, you know, where where the shortcomings may be so we can get ahead of it. And being proactive is is where we want to be instead of reacting. And it's, it's easy to react in the construction business to, Hey, I just found out this is late, so I got to jump on this and set all this aside. But if I can find out that this is going to be late earlier and we can attack it then, then I'm not pushing aside that thing that was supposed to get done on Wednesday. Right. So, you know, Uh, do you find it odd? Uh, Because obviously you said this is your first full time job. Right. So like map is certainly doing things different than the industry as a whole. What you're doing with data is just different right it's just not it, and it's the same not to say that like no one is is using data in a smart way but it is not the norm by any means of the imagination do you think it's odd that like more gcs aren't like pushing for this data like just based on how you guys work yeah i mean i would think it's odd i, I would think most businesses would want to improve and, and grow and take what they already have you know i mean you you already have a bucket of seeds all you got to do is plant it right and, and watch it grow so it's there is there for everybody and taking it and taking advantage of it is not uh as hard and daunting as it may seem now doing the work takes it takes an effort and you know it takes some brain power some will some costs and so you know, those are all things that we're willing to do to get better and have that continuous improvement and be different, really live our value. And so for for us, it's pretty a pretty easy decision to do. And uh, uh, the important part about it for us is it's not just kept at the high level, you know, just for a business unit leader and for C-suite folks, it's it's shared across the company. So uh, we're about to roll out a new dashboard for Project Health uh, to the entire company in the next couple of days, and it's going to be up on TVs around the offices and the and the the organization, so they can see all the projects that they have going on and how they're performing. So that we can make those adjustments right now and not in the future. 
when it's needed. Uh, it's interesting that you talk about the dashboard and this portal. You talk about what your people get out of it. What do you get out of it or what does level management get out of it? I mean, so we have a, a corporate dashboard that I, I live in almost every day. And so it's it's the high level things from, from managing the business that you get to take a look at. And it's real-time data. I mean, it's it's up to date, you know, by the hour. So you you really see where everything is, and you can make choices and decisions faster. And you know, when you're in a go 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 type industry, which construction is go 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 all the time. I need it built faster. I need it done faster. We need decisions faster. This having this data available in that format is great. And I carry it around in my cell phone. I could be at a baseball game and look down and just check to see how things are going. And, oh, wait, ding, 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 ding. We have an issue here. And, you know, get it, get in front of it. How, how do your how do you handle this on the mappy side? Right. So, you know, high level management, it's, it's normal. Hey, we got dashboards. We need scorecard numbers. We need to hit metrics. We need to do all these things. You're, I mean, you're rolling out this, hey, they're going to put on TVs around the, oh, we're going to do, it's going to be very, very visible, right? Like this is, yeah, pass fail almost, right? You know, it's very much like, hey, well, are we good? Or are we not good? Are is is a certain team hitting their metrics? Or are they not hitting them? And again, depending on what that dashboard looks like, how do you how do you deal with the people side of it, right? Obviously, nitpicking on data can become very strenuous. I mean, again, it's it's good to be competitive. It's good to those things, but like, how do you how do you solve for the ah oh, shit? Like what like what well that team's just totally choking. Like what's happening? Yeah, you know, you put the dashboard up on on the monitor in the office and it's supposed to stoke, you know, that objectivity. I mean, it's transparent. I mean, everyone in the office is going to see how the projects are, are going to be performing. Right. And so if uh, the, the part of it is our culture. Right. We are a competitive culture. We want to be competitive. But with that competition should stoke accountability uh, and also a level of teamwork. So if they see a, a red, we have a red, yellow, green on our, our project health dashboard. If they see a red of one of their colleagues projects, they should be talking to that colleague. What can I do to pull you out of red? You know, and that's what we want to get from from folks. I mean, we're we're all working together in multiple teams, whether it's a, a team between a project manager and a superintendent or a team of mappies to mappies. I mean, we're all we're all one place and one organization, one family. But, uh, you know, that's that's what we want to get from people. It's you're not on an island. It's not just your problem. It's our problem. You know, let's go fix it together. You know, and when things are going good. Hey, this is a great, great competition. I want to, I want to perform projects like this person over here. You know, I want to get to all green. I want to super outperform everybody. So, okay. So then mappies, happy mappies are a key component and, and obviously the culture needs to be built. Right. So one, how do you, how do you foster that culture? How do you hire for that culture? What, what are the ways that you get Happy Mappies. I love that term. I need, I'm going to say happy Mappy as many times as I can during this podcast. I swear I will. Yeah, no, no worries. I love, we love happy Mappies. It's one of our three uh, focuses for, for how we will succeed in our business is having happy Mappies, excellent client satisfaction and uh, discipline and execution. Those are our three focuses for an organization. So uh, happy mappies is at the heart of it. And, you know, if people are enjoying their job, their work and their work ethic is strong. 
uh, and they're they're truly living our our five core values, and then we've got some happy mappies. But you know, it, it, construction is a it's a tough industry. There's challenges every day. Sometimes you the the proverbial drinking from a fire hose term gets tossed around. And, uh, you know, we don't want folks to, to have that, that overwhelmingness. So uh, we, we try to, we send out um, surveys uh, every year, internal uh, surveys to, to our MAPIs, filling out what can we do better, what's going really great, things like that. Uh, have a written uh, portion if anybody has some commentary, some feedback to give. Uh, and then we read it. It's all anonymous. So we don't really know who they're coming from or anything. And uh, with that anonymity, you can get some really uh, poignant responses and you know, we read them and you, know, you can see over time, like, this is really important. We need to listen to this and make these changes and, you know, find a way uh, in which we can continue to further happy mappies in our culture. And so uh, recently, having read a bunch of these client uh, or internal client surveys, uh, you know, burnout and stress and whatnot, uh, being overwhelmed is there. And like, you know, it's not what we want for folks. You know, we want to we want to work hard. We want to be overworked. And that's a good thing. Uh, but we don't want to be overwhelmed. We don't want to suffocate somebody with with stress and, and whatnot. So uh, we've got we implemented a few things, uh, benefit enhancements uh, last year. One was uh, unlimited PTO so that folks, you know, can do what they need to do, take care of themselves. You know, as long as your job's getting done, really no, no repercussions or anything. Just, you know, you need a day off, take a day off. That's just kind of our philosophy. If you're, if you're sick, you're sick, stay home. And so uh, that was one thing we didn't want to have. Nope. You can't take off. You've already used your two weeks. Sorry. If you, you need a day off, take a day. Um, and so that's that's the the purpose behind that. And then we implemented a sabbatical. When you've been here after seven years, you get a, a month paid um, sabbatical and a stipend for travel. You know, for for you to go out and and do something to enhance your life or in, enhance your your mind and your your experience in the world. And so uh, we just started that. Uh, had a couple of people sign up for it and they'll be taking theirs next year. And we're really looking forward to getting some feedback from them on how their sabbaticals went. Uh, and then the last thing we did is a, it's called a lifestyle spending account. And I think we put in uh, 1500 bucks into this expense account. And so do you want to, uh, it's all about enhancing your, your mental, your physical, spiritual type, um, uh, side of things. And so if you, if you need a financial advisor, it would cover that expense for that. If you want to, you know, join a gym, you know, the gym membership would be there. You know, we want, we want you doing things other than just the the daily grind and, and suffocating on that. So, you know, we want people to be uh, healthy, happy, and busy. That is a wow. Uh, so sabbatical is not a thing that happens. Certainly, it's rare in general, and it is certainly not something I've heard in the construction industry happening at all. Uh, yet another, you're just much further down the curve when it comes to j just yeah, culture stuff. But then obviously, the data stuff is just wild. So sabbatical is interesting, right? Because you've got project managers and you got you know foreman these guys that uh, and, and gals that essentially 
ha- have these projects and they're kind of the babies, right? Like it's like, oh, like that's this is super meaningful to me. It's not just a job. It's my exact mine. So how do you how do you get somebody to give up their baby, right? Essentially, like this this can't be easy. But uh, tell me about that. It's hard. Uh, it, it is. And we have really great people here. And, you know, like you said, it's my baby. I, I can't leave my baby for a month and go go out and feel like I'm, you know, gallivanting all over the world or doing whatever it is that they're doing, uh, whether it's a mission trip or just a, a visit to Greece. You know, who, who knows what they could be for for their chosen sabbaticals. But uh you know, you are giving up, you know, this job I might be three months into and I got another 12 months. I'm going to leave it for a month during this critical period. Oh, I can't do this. You know, so I think that's that's a stigma to to get past. It's it's OK. You know, you have a team of people uh, of other Mappies here that are willing to help and uh, definitely step in. And, you know, we plan them out so that, um we don't have those types of, of issues or drawbacks, you know, they're planned out in advance, but at least six months or so. Uh, and we try to get in front of it, but it is hard, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do. I'd love to take a sabbatical. I just don't see one in my future right now. Well, you've been there enough years. Come on now. Come on. You got lead by example, right? Isn't that how it goes Bradley? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But one day soon. No, no, it was one one day we will. But, uh, you know, for for me personally, I really wanted uh, someone from the field, a superintendent to really uh, be that first person to take a sabbatical and set that example. And and our first sabbatical that was submitted for and approved was from a superintendent. And that was that was fantastic. And I cannot wait for him to to take it and come back and, uh, you know, help spread the word that, hey, this thing is real. First off, does it exist? (laughs) Who's going to let me off of my job? Really going to pay me for a month, you know? And uh, and so, you know, once we once this first one goes through, I, I think we'll get some great stories and, and it'll start really picking up some steam. So and I hope that it does. That's awesome. That's so awesome. You're a big fan of reading. And we talked about Patrick Lencioni. So he says that there's three businesses, right? Which is map three types of business. Yeah, three types. of business. Yeah. Three types of businesses. So it can be really good at product quality, operational excellence, or customer intimacy. Those those are three that I think he said. And if I butcher them, sorry. But uh, you know, it's it's what it's not what you're good at is what you're known for. And so we want to be good at all of them, right? We want to be good at um, product quality, you know, how are our estimates going out of the door? What does our marketing packages look like? How's our construction uh, operational excellence? Are we doing everything on time? We're hitting all the P's and Q's of the contract, um, everything involved in that. And then the, the, the client intimacy or customer intimacy, that's what we want to be known for. We want to be good at the other ones, but we want people to know us as that that contractor that's uh, developing the relationships, really listening to what the client has to say, finding out what the the key items are that are important to the client and morphing the plan of the project around that. Uh, Getting the buy-in of the subcontractors and trade partners to go and attack that 
precisely. Like this is what's important to this client. And so uh, we want to be there for them. We want to know them. We want to know their business. What, why is this so important? Not just, I need this done for this day. Well, well, why? I, I want to understand why. I want to be able to translate that to somebody else and, and embrace that internally that, hey, do you understand well, this is what we've got to do because of this? And we we want to hit it. We want to beat it. Uh, and we want to we want to be known for that. So. So this is really interesting that you talked about this. I want to talk a little bit about connecting the dots here between what you just said mm-hmm. and data. Right. So here's how do you handle sort of the employee side of nitpicking data? So you've rolled out these new KPIs metrics right? The subjective side can turn into ego. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. See, so the data, is it's meant to be objective and to pull out the subjectivity of it. And, and there can be some challenges with that because there are, there are things that are subjective. Like this project may not have a good, a good profit on it, right? So it might show red for profitability, but is it really because of performance or is it because of something else? And so you always have to have a bit of understanding uh, about the individual project. So we're never more than, you know, an arm's length away from the actual goings on of the project. And so it's, it's communication. It's knowing the project. It's knowing your team. Where are they at with things? Knowing your estimate from the beginning and knowing, knowing the relationships of the clients so that we're, we're, uh, able to understand the reasons why this objective data is looking the way that it is. You know, the, the other issues of the data is it's going back to good data in, uh, good data out. You know, uh, you have to plug it into this particular cell, you know, or did I select the wrong description for this and it's skewing everything over here? And that can be a little trying at times. And there's there's training that needs to be done, more training. You know, the data has shown us that we got to get better at training. You know, we need to show where this really goes. You just assume everybody knows because you know, right? I know where this goes. So everybody's got to know, right? So I'm just, I'm just Bradley. I mean, but, but, you know, not everybody knows. And so the data helps to show you what someone doesn't know. So you can go fix it and, and utilize it better. Can you give some like examples, like some real examples or challenges that you had to work through because of, that newfound visibility? Yeah. Uh, for for instance, you know, we have uh, an office in Atlanta, uh, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Dallas, and Austin. Um, and so uh, we wanted to have all of pre-construction uh, and estimating that was working off the similar, similar systems. And uh, we put in all of our data into one central location. And so that location has you know project descriptions, square footages, et cetera. And for the longest time, not everybody was inputting the data. And so the data that we see is only maybe three or four of the offices, not all of the offices. So when we're looking backwards, hey, how much did we bid? What was our hit rate? Uh, well, we might be missing some data. And so, you know, we had to get everybody on the same page uh, about that. Um, to to get that in there. And then what are we bidding? You know, the types of projects, you know, hey, is this, you know, we have office, we have tenant finish out, and we might have banking and retail. 
And so if somebody goes in and, and we're building a bank branch somewhere, you know, they could they could click retail because we consider a retail bank branch, a, you know, retail, but we had it separated as banking. So it's really easy to go hit retail and not banking. Same thing for office or renovation or corporate build out, tenant finish out. You know, it could be a renovation, could be a tenant finish out, could be office. And so what is it really? And we have to, you know, do a little bit better job of defining that so that the data is a little more concise. And so we've had some, some, you know, issues with that and a little, little bit too non-descriptive or not descriptive enough and maybe too much options, you know, to, to see. And so the data can, can get a little skewed. So then for, that training, because obviously you got multiple locations here. We're talking about multiple states. We're talking about, you know, obviously lots of people. How, how does the training look for that? Because obviously the nuances of, well, it's not retail, it's banking, you know, like, you know, these little things. How do you, how do you guys go about training your people? Because obviously good data in, good data out, but, you know, not perfect data or not good data uh, creates problems. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I'll, I'll walk through that. It certainly has been uh, something of a challenge. One of those things in our, our client internal client surveys that we we do, what can we improve? And training. Uh, man, you got all these systems and, you know, I know how to build, but I've never used this accounting system before. I've never used this project management system. And so, you know, I, our first day, our, our welcoming uh, on board after you do um, you know, your your basic stuff, uh, you go around to each little department, right? So you'll spend 30 minutes with someone in pre-construction, 30 minutes with someone in business development, 30 minutes with someone out in the field, 30 minutes with someone in project management, and, you know, understanding what it is that they do. So if I'm a new project manager coming in, now we want you to understand what pre-con does, what are they going to give to you, right? Uh, and then uh, you're supposed to get a mentor, assigned to you with uh, within your group. So again, if you're a project manager, you'd have a project manager mentor that's uh, going to show you the ropes. Uh, we have uh, on that first day or first week, our technology uh, directors will meet with you, our safety directors will meet with you, what, what it is that MAP standards are and how we go about doing it. And so we, we try to encapsulate that before you really get off and running so that you're your first, uh, your first project or your first assignment out the door, you have at least an understanding of the map way of doing things. And then there's, there's the little nuances of, of what you need to do because there's a lot of little particular items that you have to do, like a daily log has to be done a certain way and this has to be done a certain way. And over time, working with peers and colleagues, uh, picking that up and then going to look at the data. Hey, we haven't gotten in 10 daily logs in the last 15 days. You know, this is this is an issue, right? And so we're actually able to see that in, in the data. It helps us see where some of those shortcomings are. But then we also have um, every six months, we hold what we call MAP University for all of our new hires. They come in uh, either to Dallas or into Baton Rouge, depending on which session it would be. And we have everybody, um, a couple of designated folks for each individual department and they do a longer uh, deep dive into what they do and how they do it for the first day. And then the second day, there is a deep, deep dive, a full day with just 
what your what your department is. If you're a project manager, you'll be with a project management leader, a project executive, or an ops ops leader, or somebody, and they're showing you everything. They're going through here. Here's what's important. This is what it should look like. Uh, so let's make those adjustments. And that's you. You may be there for a month. You might have already been with Matt for five months, uh, and then you you get that additional additional training. So is that the uh... Graduation uh, from the initial, obviously, training's forever. You're going to always be training, always improving. But, like, obviously, you have a mentor at some point in the beginning. Does that mentor is just always your mentor, or is there like a, hey, you've graduated? No, there, there's, there's nothing. Uh, we don't have anything very rigid uh, and procedural at MAP necessarily. We have a couple of checklists here and there. It, it is a little bit loose, but no, it's it's when you're ready to go, you're ready to go and and off you go. And then we we have triannual reviews uh, with supervisors and you sit down, uh, you go through, hey, here's what we wanted to focus on. This is what we're doing really well at. Here's where we need to do some training and we develop a training program. And you're supposed to get some items uh, to be trained on in the next four months so that you can improve on on where you are. And if it's that training may be an internal mappy mentor, it may be, hey, I'm going to bring in uh, a specialist and we're going to there's four or five of you that need some training on this. So I'm going to go hire somebody to come in here and do some training uh, or just might be off on your own time. You know, uh, if it's not necessarily system related, just, hey, I think you should read this book. I think this would be a great, great thing for you to learn to be a better leader uh, on your project or a great thing to learn to be a better manager uh, of your time uh, and whatnot. So we developed that for every individual. It's awesome. You talked a little bit. Of, I mean, you've talked a bunch about technology. Uh, so I think it's a good time to actually just kind of start really focusing on that here. You'd said uh, at some point, you want to be leading edge uh, on technology. Why? So why top tier technology use? Why that belief? I think we read an article not too long ago, several years ago at least, but it said something construction was like the second to last true implementer of, of transformational change using technology. I think the last one was agriculture, right? And so a lot of investment and money had been going into improving other businesses out there using technology and business analytics and whatnot. So some of the stuff I'm talking about, if you're not in construction, you might be, well, this is 20 years old. We've been doing this forever. Well, in construction, where a lot of folks still aren't doing it, right? And and so uh, we've always, uh, ever since I've been at MAP, wanted to be, at a leadership level of technology implementation. I mean, we had Blackberries when they first came out. It wasn't waiting until something came. I mean, it was first first implementer type strategy. If it was there, we wanted to try it out, right? And so we really got back into it uh, after the, the Great Recession, like let's focus on technology and trying to improve it. What can we do? There's all these people hitting us up, trying to sell us some kind of product or service for technology. Like, man, we, we got to start taking advantage of it. You know, let's not be afraid of the costs, right? If it doesn't work, okay, it doesn't work, but we tried it out, right? And if that didn't work, maybe something else will. And so... Uh, I think back in 2017, we came up with our vision 2025, what we wanted to be uh, as a company in 2025. And there was 
there's nine or 10 things that, that we had to describe ourselves in 2025. And one of them was we wanted to be a, a best in class user of technology and construction. We wanted to be leadership in technology for the industry. And so we, we're really focusing on that and, and we want to adopt that. And we want everybody to use technology. We have it in our project plans. How are you going to use technology? You have to present you know, to a group, hey, what, what is it we're gonna do differently with technology here? Whether it's, it's using a, a new platform or uh, using a drone or virtual design and construction, BIM stuff, you know, what are we going to do that's different than just uh, the standard everyday construction activity? I think you kind of mentioned it. We talked a little bit about uh, in the pre-call, uh, Simon Sinek and his golden circle. And this is kind of your mm-hmm. your why, the vision 2025. Why? Yeah, why, why, why do we exist? Yeah. So, and... The other interesting thing that you'd said is you actually, which is very different from the rest of the industry, is you actually want to spend on technology, right? And and even if it fails, it's okay. Now you know. Whereas the amount of people that we've talked to in the industry is that has basically been burned by technology. Why are you different? Why are you looking at it that way? And you know, how does someone bridge that gap, right? Because your thinking is so different, right? And even and that article really says says a lot, which is the last you're one of the last your industry and agriculture's last two implementers of change, right? So why don't you talk about talk about that a little bit? Why specifically that view? Sure. Well, I mean, tech, technology. I mean, just you know, here's my my history buff side of things. I mean, the advancements in technology have correlated with the advancements of the community that it's being implemented in, right? I mean, as industrial revolution brought brought forth, you know, great advancement for for society and for for you know life, and people are living longer because of it, right? And so. Uh, industries have got have improved because of technology, from oil and gas to um, you know healthcare. You know, so they they've all been invested in with technology over time, and people have you know tested it out and spent money, and you know maybe this didn't work, but this did, and there was an advancement that was made overall because someone spent the time and the effort, the energy, and the money, the capital to do that, right? And so, you know, to to sit on the sideline. You know, well, let me wait and see, you know, the, the mentality is, is you, you can't win if you don't play the game. And, and so you, if you want to be first in technology or be a leader in technology in the industry, well, you got to get in there and play. You got to step up to the plate. And if it means a, a capital outlay, then it does. Now, you want to be smart about it. And then you go dump a million bucks just going after this this one little thing. You know, what's the return on the investment here? And so uh, we, we're smart about it. We make um, good decisions. We discuss it and, and beat it up, throw spaghetti on a wall and see what see what sticks. Uh, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we tried recently. We tried a new software. We thought it was presented to us. It was going to be awesome. And uh, like, man, this is great. And reality was it didn't work like we thought it was going to work. And so we're moving on, you know, so we, we spent some money on it. It didn't work. And so now we're going to move on. We'll try something else. And so uh, that's kind of the, the mentality, but we'll find something that does. And when we do, it'll be great. 
And if we don't find it, we'll just build it. <laughs> well, just if if uh, you build it, they will come. Is that is a little bit of that? <sighs> Um, so how how do you get to that ROI? How do you understand that there is a return? Now I obviously you got data, right? So I'm, I'm assuming that there's got to be a little bit of database, but that's not always so quickly, right? You don't always know that your ROI. Oh, you know, six months later, look at us, we're 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 doubled what we did, right? That's generally not how it works. Because if it is, then everybody should be putting their money in it, right? Like immediately. Um, so how do you guys grade ROI? Yeah, so the RRI is less objective than, you know, we're talking about objectivity and transparency of the data and what has given us uh, the, the RRI is a little a little less objective. But uh, the, the expectation is that we're seeing the trend lines uh, grow, right, grow in our internal client surveys, our external client surveys our revenue top line growth, our bottom line growth, what making sure we're flat on safety incidences, right? That's something you don't want to go up on. Uh, we want to be flat, uh, flat there. So that is how you kind of see it at, at as a return. And so it's not necessarily always financially related. Uh, sometimes it is, but it's really hard to capture that, right? Because you're if your your data is helping you be more proactive and it might save you five thousand bucks, how do you know that you save five thousand dollars just because you didn't spend it? You probably didn't know it cost five thousand dollars. So it is a tough thing to to truly have an objective return on, but the return really is is my turnover low? Do we have really great people? Are, are our internal surveys positive? Uh, do people like working here? Do people like working with us outside? Uh, and the more that grows, you know, you start seeing it in the, the financial return on the top line revenue of the business. You continue to grow. That's a good point. Um, you mentioned burnout earlier and like you obviously put things in place, but technology can be a thing that also helps people's burnout, right? This made my job easier. Like this has made my job easier. Therefore, I'm less burnt out. That's a very hard measurable to come to terms with in regards to how, how do I measure an individual's burnout level? Right? That's not that is not easy. So, I mean, one one of the greatest things, at least that I've seen, uh, is you know, like let's just take some middles for example, right? So. You used to have to print out your, it could be a 10, 20 page long submittal log and go see what's coming up. I got to go, okay, now let me go call everybody, right? Now with technology, you can just, hey, what's coming up? In, what's due in the next 10 days? And it just shows you that list, what's there. And it's instant. I don't have to spend 30 minutes analyzing this package every week, seeing where things are, what's next. I mean, it's boom, it's there. Now I can take action, move on to the next thing. And so there's there's all kinds of benefits there. And you can, you can run some calculus on that. Uh, we looked at doing uh, a software where we calculate how much time would it save a project coordinator if we did this? And it's like, okay, well, if they save four hours a week times their hourly rate times X, you know, project coordinators, Hey, we could probably save twenty, thirty thousand in their time, but then we're—I mean, they're, we're still paying them, so there's no savings. So now, what are they doing? So now, are they helping out project teams better with this newfound time, or, or whatnot? And so then, you know, is that allowing our project managers to take advantage of something, you know, to get more out in front of the client and uh, give them more time to develop a relationship and whatnot? So. 
I, I, I want to pause there because this this is such an easily passed over nugget that I want people to pause and go listen to that again. That formula that you just described around, yes, their salary paid, but you are offsetting essentially the time that they are using. If you didn't pay attention to that, go back again, because this is the key to leveraging technology. Anyone that's listening, re-listen to like the last three minutes of Bradley talking about this, because that is the key is to understanding how to calculate uh, your spend on time, essentially spend on technology, that right there. I can't tell you how much I've preached that, but you said it in such a succinct way. Just re-listen to that part right there. So thank you for saying that. Bradley, we're going to just use your clip. We're going to just use that. We have to talk about this from now on. This, this isn't us. This is Bradley, but he, he's he's got it perfect. All good. All good. I'm happy to, happy to help. I'm glad I hit it on my own. So good. But no, it's it's fantastic what it what it can do, and that's that's in essence what we want to do. That is improvement, right? If you could reduce someone's time so that they could spend it on something more productive or spend it, you know, reducing someone else's uh, burdens so that they can be more productive. I mean, that's, that's where it's at. It's, it's always, it comes down to production and comes down to, um, you know, the end of the day, how are people doing? Another thing you mentioned was drone footage. And uh, so obviously drones now are becoming more standard, uh, depending on what kind of work you're doing in construction field. It's it you you guys take it a step further. It's not just internal purposes of of drone footage. Uh, can you talk about just how you're using this essentially market marketing? You're essentially using technology for marketing aspects. Yeah, I mean we we use a lot for marketing. Um, you know we want people to know that we're we're technology heavy uh, general contractor that you know what they're buying is is more or what they're buying from us is is more efficiency, better production, et cetera. And so, you know, with the drones, that's that's one thing that you could you can go in, you can visualize your site, you can see it. We, we could put together uh, what do they call over time videos, right? The, the time lapse, time lapse video. Um, but then there's the, the the new technology, and it's been out for a little bit. But you can start quantifying, you know, elevations, you know, from the drones. You know, hey, general. You know, over here it's it's at 100 foot elevation, and over here it's at 110. Or uh, I know we we drone we did a drone flight of a potential site that had a big dirt pile, and it did a rough calculation of that dirt pile. And you can go tell your your um, earthwork trade partners, hey, I've got about 300 cubic yards of dirt piled up there. I need a price. I need you to include in your price to haul it off instead of showing up and oh man, I didn't know I had this, right? And so bust right there. So, you know, you could utilize it for for several things like that. But, you know, it's great to have the overhead footage. It's great to fly it and see you can get up there and maybe if you're if you don't have a scissor lift that day to go inspect something, fly your drone up there and take a look at it. And so we're providing more opportunities for training because all of our our drone guys are drone our FAA licensed drone pilots. Um and so we've got, we actually just had a, a initial training session for volunteers. I think we had like 15 or 20 people that signed up to, to take the course with our, our technology guys. And um, really excited to see it continue to grow instead of four or five people that have it across the company. Maybe we have 20 or 30. And uh, it's something that we want all of our 
new folks coming out of college to, to go get. And so we're making that a, uh, hey, first six months, get your drone license. It's going to pay dividends in the end. So And it's fun at Christmas time. So, I mean, like it also has that aspect to it. Yeah, and that's just it's awesome. It really is. And the the new drones just get better and better. You know, they're getting smaller, they're getting bigger. Uh, the the cameras are fantastic. The first one that I had about seven years ago, everything looked like a fisheye, right? Like a, a, that bubble view. And now it's just crystal clear 4000 KHD. I mean, it's it's really fantastic. That's great. That's awesome. That's so you're using drone footage for marketing. Now, as far as I think this is a little bit closer to one of my passions, you had uh, done a very interesting, my understanding is a very interesting project around Bitcoin. How does Bitcoin relate to construction? Well, they, they need to build a Bitcoin mine somewhere. So uh, now we had a great opportunity uh, come up to us a couple of years ago to um, build a Bitcoin mining facility. And I was like, what in the hell is a Bitcoin mine? You know, I don't know. <laughs> it is. I've heard of cryptocurrency and stuff, but I don't I don't really know what it is. And so, you know, this this group, you know, we we talked to them. They told us what they were looking for, what they needed. And uh, it was definitely a learning curve. But we have a great uh, leader in our advanced technology uh, group and he really knew what to do and um, took the bull by the horns and you know we built a Bitcoin mine out in West Texas and so it's really really fascinating. I got to spend uh, a dinner with the founder of that company and just like okay man I, I need you to educate me. I know we're building this thing but what in the world is Bitcoin? I I don't I just don't understand it for the life of me and I got a full tutorial and af- after that dinner I was just like whoa this is this is really cool stuff. So it was great to be a part of it. Uh, I think they've got another potential phase coming up that we, we want to be a part of. And it, it seems really, really neat. So a uh, super cool project. And it was very, very simple. It's fascinating. I mean, it's very fascinating. I mean, it's the way they have to cool these things. It's just a bunch of computers in there and you got to keep them cold or cool. Uh, to to process these transactions and, and codes or decoding of whatever it is every ten minutes. It's just it's just absolutely fascinating. So that's cool. Any uh, a- any possibility that Maps going to start accepting crypto as a as a form of payment here? You know, I don't think we've really discussed that, but uh, it will <laughs> throw it on the issues list. Watch out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's going to come one of these days. Uh, I mean, that the the blockchain technology is really growing rapidly. Uh, it's really neat from what I've what I've kind of grazed from from trying to learn about it, uh, and I, I can definitely see some great possibilities with it, uh, and want to continue to see that that market grow. Justin, why don't you close this out? Sure. I think uh, we we could we could continue talking to Bradley here all day and night, but I think. Uh, I think we'll leave that for maybe a year from now. Yeah, when we have you back on the show and uh, you can tell us about all the amazing other stuff you're doing. So, uh, but for today. Yeah, I'll come back. You'll, exactly. So you'll be a year better, as they say. I have another year of data. So, in ta- Speaking of years, if you could go back 20 years, that's 2002, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give 2002 Bradley? 
I would tell Bradley to read a little more uh, early on. I didn't really get back into to reading stuff in, until uh, the last four or five years. But, you know, read more. Uh, have a little patience. You know, change takes time. Uh, so, you know, you think I'm going to go move to Houston and this thing's going to take off like a rocket ship. And like, oh, it takes a little time. And so have a little patience. And what else could I tell myself? Yeah, I, I was actually telling one of my, my children this yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, hard things uh, aren't always good, but good things are hard. And so, you know, you want to you need to put in that level of effort. Uh, and if it's easy, it's, you know, too good to be true. Uh, there's the path of least resistance isn't always the best path. So that's great advice. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell my son that now uh, I'm taking all the, all the Bradley quotes and throwing them into my life. <laughs> I wish I had some more. So, but no, that that's what's top of mind at least. So <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll certainly throw in all of uh, your social media for Map and yourself uh, into the notes. Uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and, and talk to you about data or anything else, what's the best way they can contact you? Oh, uh, you know, shoot me an email and we set up uh, a time. I'd love to sit down with anybody interested. Uh, it's B as in boy, T as in Tom, A S S I N as in Nancy at mapbuilt.com, two P's in map. And that's the uh, best way to get to me. Great, great, great. Uh, anything else you want to tell the people before you go? Off the top of my head, you know, really, guys, just use what you have. I mean, it's, it's there. You probably don't even know you have it or that you have the capability for it. But, uh, you know, speaking to the data and the business intelligence, that's something I picked up on in COVID and got to sit there and start messing with uh, BI and, you know, figuring out, watching YouTube videos and Google searching how to how to do this. And I was like, wow, this isn't so hard. We have all this stuff here. And, uh, you know, the outcome of, of that is some great information and, and uh, some transformational change. So it's awesome. All right. Well, Bradley, until the next time that you're on the show, because uh, you've got way more knowledge to share, but for the listeners uh, today, we're going to say adios. 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 Thanks for having me guys. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or are looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.